0: You are listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Meara.
1: I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're ticking off another box in the 2022 Reading Glasses 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 Challenge. <laughs> Ask someone what they're reading. Y'all, you can do it. We know you. We believe in you. Uh, and
0: I'm going to do it right now. Bria, what are you reading?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mallory just checked off... Something from the reading Glasses I challenge. realize that I do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am reading a book. I'm listening to a book that apparently got popular on TikTok. I don't know, but it, it's called 100 Animals That Can Fucking End You. What? By Mamatou Jai. I saw this somewhere and I was like, yeah, I do want to know about these animals. I have a weird fascination. I mean, listen, this author has way more fascination with this, but there used to be a show called When Animals Attack. And I always oh, was I really interested in this show. Well, this is more about like, it's weird I'm listening to it because I assume in the actual book, there are pictures, which would be really fun to look at these pictures of these animals. So that way I'd be able to identify them. But apparently this guy started some sort of TikTok where he talks about dangerous animals uh, and he gives them all a rating. But like a kangaroo, which apparently will lead its victims to water and drown them to just, like, horrible little worms that get into your body. like just, Horrible little worms. Just horrible, horrible things and everything. And then, he, like, I was just listening to something about otters, how otters can kill you. It's really very fun. It's a fun listen. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, there's cussing and stuff, so I don't think it's for kids necessarily. But well, I, I was like, going to say, I, don't I mean, what, just
0: ju- judging by the title.
1: Yes, but I do think it is, if you like animals and you're interested in this kind of thing, it's been a really fun read. I just put it on when I'm going on walks. So I've been listening to it for a minute where I just I'm really impressed that you would
0: want to listen to this while you're outside. While there's a- Well, I mean, I'm not running into a tiger anywhere,
1: you know, and I also if I did, I would know how to escape them because he does give tips where he's like, oh, you run into a grizzly. Don't run. They run really fast. And when they see your back, that makes them want to attack you or something like that. Uh, but it make yourself really big. I can't remember if it's a grizzly or black bear. There's like a difference. Obviously, I would just die, um, but it was, it's been a very fun listen, and I think it would also probably be a really fun coffee table book to have, and I just wanted to shout it out because its I've been really enjoying it when I go on my walks, or I listen to, like, one animal before I go to bed, figure out what that animal's all about and how it could kill me.
0: I was going to say, um, do you,
1: you get nightmares? No. No, it's really the way he reads it, and hes he's funny, and it's clever the way it's written, and it'll be like you know, five ways to escape, you know, he like has these little intervals where it's like, oh, different ways to escape these animals or what to do if you're in this part of the, you know, whatever. Like it's, it's a, it's a
0: fun book. It's, it's a funly written book. Um, can recommend. What, what are you reading? I am reading a book that is perfect for people who are looking for like an autumnal book, but they don't want Mm -hmm. horror. You know, they want something that's kind of like very tangentially horror adjacent, but don't want anything too scary. It is a romance novel called The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. Folks, there is a lot of fucking shit going on in this book. It is a blast. Okay, it's about this woman and she is a ghost writer for a very, very famous romance novelist. And she also can talk to ghosts. So she's a ghost writer that can talk to ghosts. And um, she, but the the biggest problem that she's having right now is that she went through a really bad breakup about a year before the events of the book and she has like lost her faith in love. And so she's having a hard time doing her job. She doesn't want to do... She doesn't want to write romance novels anymore. She wants to give them unhappy endings. And uh, she gets a new editor for her book, and they disagree over whether or not she should give the book a happy ending. And she is panicking because she doesn't think she can finish this book in time. The book is due, like, the next day. And then, not a spoiler, but... um, In the same 24-hour period, she realizes that she has to go home from New York City to North Carolina because her father, who runs a funeral home, has died. And when she gets there, she realizes that her editor that she had a fight with the day before has also died. And his ghost has come to visit her and to talk to her while she is trying to, like, get her dad's funeral together back in her hometown. So you have, like— Hot ghost. It's a romance novel, so this guy's super hot, even when he's dead. Uh we have small town, you have funeral home, you have ghosts, you have talking to ghosts. And so she's like going around her small town, trying to like acclimate to this place that she hasn't been to a really long time and like grieve her father and get get his funeral together while also interacting with this super hot ghost that she has a crush on. But his unfinished business is the fact that the manuscript is dead. So his unfinished business is the fact that she doesn't believe in love. So there's like there's a lot so many going on. Happening here. There's so much happening, but it is super super fun and it is again like just like a really fun autumnal book uh, that has small town energy and I picked it up because we figured out this year that for some reason I love books about people who have crushes on ghosts. I love books about yeah, you hot do love that. And it's, yeah, you it's do. super fun. Uh, I really, really am enjoying it so far. Again, there's a lot going on, but it's, it's a blast. So that's The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. And I am listening to 100 Animals That Can Fucking End You by Mamadou Jai, who also reads it. We want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. We got a bunch of feedback about reading series before they're finished. We did an episode Mm. about this recently. People have opinions about this. I love when we do an episode and we get a ton of feedback. Uh, Taylor wrote in to say, I wanted to write in about your discussion about reading series and some of the apprehension of starting a long running series. When I was younger, I loved series and would read them voraciously. If a book didn't have a sequel or wasn't a trilogy or beyond, I didn't want to read it. Wow. Nowadays, I like single books, less commitment, more time to spend in other worlds, but I've come around to the idea that I don't have to binge a well-established series and can enjoy it at my own pace and dump it If I'm not feeling the other books in terms of starting a new series as an adult, I actually prefer waiting for the next book in the series to come out over starting an established one. I think there is some fun in the anticipation of a new release. And it's really fun to discuss a new book in a series with friends who are also really into it. It does suck when the series doesn't finish properly though. However, I've seen some series get a conclusion because the fans really wanted it. Thank you for an awesome readathon as well. It was great to see what everyone was reading their little book nooks, snacks and drinks. Really looking forward to the Halloween one if possible. Um All right. We gotta plan this Mallory. Yeah, we're we actually we chose a book for it. Um That's right. that I just got from the library. And uh we're gonna announce it very soon and pick a date, but we're really excited. We're gonna do Halloween readathon. But yeah, this is this is great. I think um Taylor has the right approach to reading series, is that you can get off the ride at any time. You're mm-hmm. not strapped in. <laughs> exactly. Tina wrote in and said, I enjoyed your recent episode on starting a series before it's
1: finished. I've struggled with this too for all the same reasons you mentioned, but I have another issue that often gets in the way. I have a terrible memory. I could absolutely love a book and rate it five stars and still a year later have little to zero recollection of the details or even major plot points. Hey, we did an episode about this. Tina, you should check it out about retaining what you read. But also, I have this problem too. Um, I don't know how to solve this since I don't like taking myself out of the story to underline, take notes, or annotate. As a result, I hesitate to start a new series because I often have to reread the first book or books to refresh my memory before a new series. Like some big ones, um, like A Song of Ice and Fire, there are summaries uh, that can be helpful, but that's not an option for lesser-known authors or brand-new series. What do you suggest Would love any recommendations on how to improve my reading memory so I can dive into series with abandon. Thanks for the fun and lighthearted show. It becomes a much anticipated part of my week.
0: Well, luckily we just did a whole episode on this. So we got a ton of hot tips in that. So uh, um, Tina, check that out and see if any of those tips are helpful to you. But it also seems like you have to just write it down right after you read it.
1: Write down, if you know it's the first in a series, you're going to have to write the plot down really quickly after you read it. So that way you can remember.
0: Yeah, I I mean I will say I I read a ser a whole series this year. I realized the first time I four books I read the whole series, the Mirror nice. Mirror Visitor Quartet, and I really found it helpful when I wrote down the wheelhouse items for everything. Um, yeah, it it, it, it it takes thirty seconds. It's not like writing a whole big summary, and you're not doing it during the reading, so it's not taking you out of the book. It's just as soon as you're done reading, you write down all the wheelhouse items, and I I found that really really helpful. Uh, Mary Beth wrote in to say, I'm listening to your episode about whether you should start a series that isn't finished. I read so much, I have trouble remembering plots. So I almost always have to reread the books in a series when a new one comes out. We got a lot of emails about people who have to do this because they have a hard time remembering, and we... Understand that that is mm-hmm. it's hard to remember. Mary Beth says I'm a lot more likely to pick up a series that is completely released, so I'm not rereading a series over and over with every new book drop. That was the big thing is that a lot of people were like I wait until a series is done because I have such a hard time remembering things, and we understand that. There's a we we, we totally mm-hmm. get it. Um, Mary Beth says if you're interested, my wheelhouse is non-gross monsters, memoirs about fucked up childhoods, nonfiction about Victorian explorers, stories where the connection between characters is very slowly revealed oh i do love that too yeah that is nice oh that's, uh, nice. that's so fun um subtle twists big twists micro oh, histories, twist in general twist love a twist all the, the twist spectrum twist. um and creepy non-gory horror thank you for being amazing i look forward to your show every week i love mallory's books especially lady from the black lagoon i brought so many copies for me and my friends Mary Beth, thank you so much that is so lovely oh, nice. Uh, You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And remember, folks, uh, we are still taking help for the newsletter. We do a newsletter every month. And by we, I mean Bria. She puts together a huge list of all the books we talk about on the show every single month. And now, as much as we love doing the newsletter, we have so many people who subscribe to it. It is costing us money to do. So in order to be able to keep doing it, we are asking you, if you aren't already signed up, if you want to sign up to uh, a maximum fund, Dot .org to sign up to help us Make the show every month to sign up to become a member and get all the associated perks, including being in the the Slack channel. But it really it helps us make the newsletter. And because we're asking for some help with it, we've added things. We now talk about the things that we're snacking on, the things that we're drinking, the things that we're watching. We're uh, including a little essay about whatever is on our minds. You get a lot more Mallory and Bria content in this newsletter. You can even go to maximumfund.org and do a one time payment to help us out with this. We really love doing this, and we really want to keep doing it, but we do need a little bit of help. Uh, There's a link in the show notes to sign up for the newsletter if you're interested. And again, that's MaximumFun.org if you want to help us make it. Uh, Before we talk about asking someone what they're reading, we're going to take a quick break.
1: Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by BetterHelp. You know, we all have this problem. You start to think to yourself, well, I just need to find a solution to this problem. But have you ever thought that maybe it would be better, rather than just finding the specific solution, you know, life is not a math problem. It can be really tough to try to work through things. And instead of finding a solution, instead, get your brain out of that problem-solving mode and try to find something else, to talk through something. And when you learn how to find your own solutions, when you learn that life is complicated, that, that's a good feeling. Things are not simple. And a therapist can help you to become a better problem-solver, do not ruminate so much. They can make it easier to accomplish your goals and they can help you figure out that, hey, maybe life isn't so black and white. Maybe things are not so easy and that's okay too. Therapy has been super helpful for me. It's been helpful for a lot of people that I know. It has made me more confident. I was working with a therapist when I was going through a large... A career transition in my life. And I felt like it was a really good move for me because I was able to deal with the way my identity was changing. It's really a great way to unload stress, heal emotionally, deal with anxiety or depression. Um, So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient. It's accessible. It's affordable. And it's entirely online. Yes, that's right. You get matched with the therapist after filling out a brief survey and you can also switch therapists anytime that's very very convenient when you want to be a better problem solver therapy can help you get there visit betterhelp.com/glasses today to get 10% off your first month that's betterhelp.com/glasses Oh my gosh, hi. I'm Dave Holmes, host of the pop culture trivia podcast, Troubled Waters. On Troubled Waters, we play games like motivational speeches. It goes a little like this. Riley, give us an improvised motivational speech on why people should listen and subscribe to Troubled Waters. I look around this ad and I see a lot of potential to listen to comedians such as Jackie Johnson and Josh Gondelman, and they need you to get out there and listen to them attempt to figure out sound rebus clues or determine if something is a Game of Thrones character or a city in Wales. I have chills. I'm going to give you 15 points. All that and so much more on Troubled Waters. Find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you choose to listen to podcasts.
0: This week, we're ticking off another box on the 2022 Reading Glasses Glasses Challenge. Ask someone what they're reading. How do you start a bookish conversation? How do you find more people to talk about books with? Well, the answer might be more simple than you think. Bria, so why do we put this on the reading challenge this year?
1: Well, one, I think we wanted to get people out of their little comfort zones. Like, you know, maybe ask someone what they're reading. And also, it's a way to meet more bookish people and make bookish friends. One of the most common wishes among readers is to have more bookish friends. And we talked about finding online spaces to connect with other readers. But it is a lot harder when you're one on one or in person. So sometimes the easiest way to start those conversations is just to say, uh, hey, what are you reading? And also, hey, even if you don't make a friend, maybe you find out about a good book.
0: Yeah. Hey, I honestly, I love this part of the challenge because I found that a lot of readers, including myself, can be judgy when it comes to thinking of people as bookish or not. Totally. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think that me particular, I'm so over the top with my love of reading. Like I always have a book on me and wearing bookish shirts, stuff like that, that anyone who isn't like that doesn't seem like someone I can talk to about books with. I'm just like, oh, they look like a normal person, you know? But it's a t- totally. shitty way to think. It's such a shitty way to think. Readers are such a varied group of people. Yeah, I totally. agree. I mean, I was just at a thing and it was a film festival. And listen,
1: glassers are going to find this shocking because they listen to my voice talk about books every week. But a lot of people don't know I'm a reader. They think I am just like a filmmaker or actress or whatever. And a woman was telling me a story like she was, oh, I'm going to stay in England and go to these bookish places. And she was like, I, it's dorky. I read a lot. And I was like... Me too, actually. What are like, you reading? And it motherfucker, was a great do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> it was a great moment for me to like be able to check this little box and also like, you know, hey, I, you know, the people can be into more than one thing. You can have a career that has nothing to do with books, but still be into books. Um, and I think it's great because it can challenge how we view people. So, Bria, how did you complete this part of the challenge? Well, that was one. I did that. <laughs> I, I literally asked this woman when she said, "I'm very bookish." I'm like, "Oh, what are you reading?" I can't remember what she was reading though. Now, uh, which almost defeats the purpose of the question. Um, but I have thought of also just a few. T- I've thought of this challenge a few times when people mention they like books or like, "Oh, I I was fell asleep reading or whatever," and then I'm like, "What are you reading?" So I feel like this challenge has like come to my mind a few times. Just just a way to have a whole different conversation. Because I think sometimes I want to say, oh, what do you read? Like, what kinds of books do you read? Have you read this? Like, for some reason, we center these conversations around ourselves and what our experiences are. So it's like, oh, do you read horror? I love horror or something. But instead of just starting the conversation with what are you reading, it feels like an excited conversation about books instead of an excited conversation about do we have something in common, if that makes sense. And that has been really an interesting way to approach people who are bookish or people who read. And then you get someone to describe this book they're reading. And even if you've never heard of it, you get to hear about it. Maybe you get to hear about a cool book and you get to see them excited about what they're doing instead of sort of forcing ideas on them. Like, oh, you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Because I feel like I can start conversations that way. I can be too excited about what I'm reading, but instead asking them and getting them to give me that information feels, feels like a better conversation starter, I think. What about you? What did you do for this part of the challenge besides asking me at the beginning of every show? (laughs) Uh,
0: So at the start of July, I went on vacation to Austin, and there were a few people coming that I had never met before. It's one of those things that I went to go see some friends of mine, and we all, like— that friend had like rented out a big Airbnb and invited a bunch of bunch of people. So I was meeting new people, and uh, none of them were like you know wearing a book shirt with a book tote carrying a bunch of books like I was. So I was like, oh maybe they're not bookish. Uh, I'm such a fucking idiot. So we were <laughs> we were all swimming in this lake next to the Airbnb on the first day, and I said something about Patricia Lockwood, and like half the group yelled Priest Daddy, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, am I in heaven? I no. am with my people. <laughs> And I was like, "How? What? I'm so what? A, what an idiot I am for not not thinking that these people were bookish, and then we all were talking about Patricia Lockwood." And I was like, "I'm floating on a lake, drinking a white claw, talking about Patricia Lockwood." this great, is wonderful life this is what a life i mean have i get did i get hit by a car on the way in here like what's going <laughs> on um, and later that night you know i brought my stack of books my vacation reading downstairs and everyone started talking about books and what they were reading and they were all reading really cool stuff and i asked everyone what you know what they were reading and it was just like the start of a big amazing conversation and it was so much fun and like now i'm in a book club with those people oh that's great yeah it was, it like was you started a book club Uh, Well, one of the guys was like, hey, we should all read this book together. And now... Oh, that's fun. Yeah. It was super fun. Uh, And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons we wanted to put this on the the, uh, challenge. Because we're challenging our thinking about other people. And it can lead to really fun stuff. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think that's great. Because asking someone what you're reading, it's an easy way to start a bookish conversation. Even if they're not actively reading or like in a bookish place. So, you know, obviously if someone's sitting next to you and they're reading and you say, what are you reading? Uh, like that is an easy thing to do, but just asking someone what they're reading, even if you're not standing in the middle of a library is also a good way way to start a conversation. Um, or, and you can also switch it up. You can say like, have you read anything good lately? Or like, uh, what's the last good book you read? Which I love that one. Cause that yeah. feels like an easy way for people to go like, oh, you know, I've been really busy. Yeah, I haven't read a book in a while, but you know, I would really love this book, you know, yeah. and that's a good
0: way to have people to be able to talk about books with people. Yeah. And you know, we, we've talked about it on the show a little bit before, but remember the publishing industry considers a heavy reader, someone who reads 10 to 12 books a year. So someone yeah. who, who reads one book a month or less right. is like a super reader for the publishing industry. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a good fact to remember for a variety of reasons, you know, if you're on book Instagram or book TikTok and you're like, oh my God, these people are reading so many books. I'm not a real reader. We get a lot of, I see a lot of people in the reading glasses Slack and we get a lot of emails that are people like, oh, well, I set my goal for like 10 books a year. And I know that's not a lot like to the publishing no, industry. You are a heavy reader. That is a heavy reader. That yes. is a heavy reader. Uh, I think it's most people read like one
1: to two books a year or something like that.
0: So, yeah, and honestly, the online bookish world can make it seem like anyone who isn't reading a zillion re- books a year isn't a real reader. But remember, outside that, most people only read a few books a year, and that's fine. They're still readers, and they probably want to talk about those books, and they want to yeah. talk about books with you. You know, I really think our idea of a reader needs to be expanded, and there's probably a lot more readers and potential bookish friends around you than you think. So that's why this part of the challenge was really fun. I get so angry at the world when people are like, "Oh, well, I'm not really a reader. I only read like a book a month or a couple books a year." I'm like, "Are you kidding? So many books! Yeah, yeah there's so many books. books. You're you, if you read like one book, if you it takes you like three years to read one book, you're still a reader. And now that I like am working on like getting that out of my head, now I have like a whole book club full of of new bookish friends that we get to talk about books with, and it's super fun. uh we hope you have have a similar experience let us write in let us know send your thoughts to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com i'd love to hear i'd love to hear people's stories of completing this part of the challenge and see if they made any new new friends i would love that yes uh so before we answer a bookish question we're going to take a quick break you know what i love in the
1: morning waking up to a nice bowl of cereal Green Glasses this week is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has really changed the cereal game by perfecting crunchy texture and developing an astounding variety of flavors without all those carbs and sugar, which you don't need. Instead, you can get zero grams of sugar. That's no sugar. You can get 13 to 14 grams of protein, and that keeps you going. You know, if you have protein at breakfast, you can really do anything with your day. You can keep going. You can go work out. You can go on a run. I don't know. You can do all sorts of stuff. Maybe you'll just it helps your brain to function. You'll have better better meetings, better day, read more. And there's only four to five net grams of carbs in each serving. It's low carb, keto friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and only 140 calories per serving. Okay, let me tell you about these flavors. You know, we love the flavors. The classics, they taste like you remember. You got cocoa, you got fruity, you got frosted, you got peanut butter. You can mix cocoa and peanut butter, wow. What tastes better than peanut butter and chocolate? We don't know. you also got the cult faves. You have things like blueberry muffin, maple waffle, and honey nut. It's uh, sweet stuff, smoky stuff. It's really good. Those are those are the cult faves, but what about the indulgent ones? The cookies and cream, the cinnamon roll. Move aside cakes and cookies. Cereals, got this covered. You don't even have to start your day with a cinnamon roll. You can start it with cereal that tastes like a cinnamon roll instead. So go to magicspoon.com slash glasses to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try the magic for yourself and be sure to use our promo code glasses at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident you will like their product it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So for any reason you don't like it they'll refund your money no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com/glasses and use code glasses to save $5 off. Thank you Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Glasses.
0: Hey there, beautiful people. I'm Travell Anderson. And I'm Jared
1: Hill. We are the hosts of Fanti, the show where we have complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives. The things that we really, really love sometimes, but also have some problematic feelings about.
0: Yes, we get into it all. You want to know our thoughts about Nicki Minaj and all her foolishness? We got you. You want to know our thoughts about gentrification and perhaps some positives?
1: question mark Uh-oh.
0: aspects of gentrification we get into that too every single thursday you can check us out at maximumfun.org. listen you know you want it honey so come on and get it <laughs> period answer a bookish question from one of our listeners. Shannon writes in, Hi, Brian Mallory, I have a reading question. How do you feel about introductions in books? They seem to be most prevalent in prestigious older books that have been reprinted. I've never really gained much from an introduction. The writer of the introduction often tries to make it a writing masterpiece and it ends up being convoluted, showboaty, and confusing because I don't yet know what they're talking about not having read the text (laughs) they speak of. I found myself just skimming or skipping it, but I realized in my younger reading days there were some books I never got past the introduction and DNR'd. Did not, oh, did not read. Uh, DNR'd it before I got to the meat of the book. Recently, I had my first good introduction experience because I immediately decided that I would skip it first. Then, if I felt like I wanted info after i read the book Hmm. i could go back it worked out and i enjoyed reading the introduction now that i knew what the book was about but then why is it not at the end of the book if it's only enjoyable to read afterwards introductions would benefit from being short and sweet to get you warmed up for the book what do you think thanks for hosting my favorite podcast my wheelhouse is unreliable narrators surreal stories cyberpunk settings graphic novels with gorgeous art characters on the spectrum and ai characters bria do you read introductions
1: I think you and I have some confessions to make. We sure do. I think we're both intro skippers.
0: We're intro skippers.
1: I mean, I'm going to say not always. Like, in comics, I find I do really like reading them. A lot of times, it's um, someone who didn't write the comic who's talking about how important it is. I also find with historical books, sometimes I like them. Like, I just read read Stepford Wives last year. And because we all know the story, Mm -hmm. so I felt like it was great to read it and kind of put it in a cultural context. So that was helpful. And if I knew the person who wrote it, sometimes I'll read it. But, like, recently I read a whole introduction by the editor of the book, and I was like, why is this here? Like, it's just—I why I don't need this intro. It was like, "You, I don't know who you are. I don't know what this book is. Like, I don't know anything. Same thing with Shannon said. Like, I don't know the text of which you are speaking. Like, I, t- I cannot <laughs> yeah. tell you. You're saying this is important or great or something. I cannot relate to the text. So— I do find, like, historical books, a new introduction can be important because it's like, hey, this was written in 1956. Here's what was happening at that time. Here's why this was revolutionary or why we're still reading it. Like, that's interesting because I probably already know what the fucking book is about at that point. Um, But, yeah, for the most part, I skipped those intros. What about you, Mallory? I know you do, too.
0: Yeah, always. Plus, there might be spoilers in there. I don't want that. Um, I'm with Shannon. Sometimes I'll go back and read the introduction when I finish the book, um, but never before. I, I I really don't like that. It does seem sort of weird that the introduction is at the start of the book, but like you said, you know, if it has some sort of, like it wants to put it in like historical context for you, like I get that. That might be helpful to have ahead of time. But people who don't mind spoilers might really benefit from seeing some analysis about the story ahead of it. Remember we talked about that in the reading retention episode that if you see like someone talking... Yeah, when it's- Mm -hmm. So so maybe if you are someone who doesn't mind spoilers and you want some reading retention help, reading in the introduction to to a book might help. And honestly, often introductions are written by famous authors and those are meant to draw people to a book and that's why they're at the start. You know, I think, um, like let's say like, Charlie Jane Anders wrote an intro to an Ursula K. Le Guin book. You know, someone who's never read Le Guin might be like, hey, wow, I love Charlie Jane Anders. Maybe I should read this. And that's a, a lot of the reason yeah. why, you know, these, these books get updated versions with new introductions written by modern authors. And a lot of introductions include reasons why the book is still relevant and why people should read it. So it makes sense that that would be yeah. at the start of the book. But there's no shame in reading it at the end. Uh, to me, it feels the same reading the introduction at the end feels the same as like watching a really good movie and and then reading like the reviews or reading an essay about it where you're like oh wow i want right, to like get a little right. bit more or, out writing, of that. or
1: watching the behind the scenes making of yes of yeah, yeah yeah
0: it's the same yeah. i think i think it's the same sort of thing so yeah um uh, we're introduction skipper i guess it's not so much that i'm an introduction skipper is that i like introductions i like swapping it around i like an introduction at the end
1: yeah we're not a we're not a hardline introduction reader or skipper i think both of us feel the same way like i'm um, again like there are times you read it. I don't think you have to feel like you have to read it. As what we were saying. No. But if you want
0: to read it, great. Yeah, I, I always, I, I do You like, still
1: finished the book if you didn't read the introduction.
0: Yeah, I, there is a book I read recently. That, oh, you know what? How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix has an introduction by Grady, which is like, mm. but it's only a page long. And I was like, oh. That's I, great. I love a page long intro. Like, yeah. let me, like, you're like,
1: I was here when I wrote this. Maybe that will affect you. Great. Yeah. That's all I needed.
0: Those I those I won't skip because I that I like. Um and that was really fun. So, but uh yeah, I I I would look I would encourage people to think about introductions as a choose your own adventure. You can read them at the end, you can not read them at all, don't but you're not not reading the book if you skip them. Yeah. Uh so if you want us to solve your reader problem or answer your bookish question, you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. Now let's answer a recommendation request from Jessica, who says, "Hey Mallory and Bria, I've been listening to your podcast since 2018, but just now got up the nerve to email you guys. Uh, you know what? Never be afraid to email me Bria. We get mm-hmm. so honestly. Here's a little side tangent, but um, we get a lot of mean emails, <laughs> and I tweeted about this recently because we had got one that like pissed me off or whatever. And um, you know, I just wanted wanted to shout out on Twitter like the people who um." send it do send in really nice things and you know we talked recently on the show about how it's hard when you make something it was the library it was the uh peop, the episode where we had librarians and library adjacent people on to talk about book banning and how frustrating it is for librarians to work on something when they're only getting negative feedback and how important it is um mm-hmm. because we you know we get people who write in all the time who don't like that Brie and I swear they don't like our voices. They don't like that I swear a lot. They really hate that. They don't like our voices. They don't like our taste in books. And a friend of the show and one of my friends, Zoraida Cordova, was tweeting about how she's like, "Hey man, write to write to authors and, and podcasters and musicians and whatever, because trust me, the people who hate them are writing in." Um, That's so true. That's so. And true. I, I was tweeting about that, and then immediately we got a bunch of nice emails from people who were like, "I've never written in before, but I don't want I don't want to counteract nice. the bad ones." And we we love you. I love your podcast, and thank you. You so much so um oh wait never be afraid to email us because the people yeah. who don't the people who have bad things to say are definitely not afraid to email us mm. um okay tangent over jessica says i love your show and i look forward to your episodes every single week it's, it's like having two bookish friends that get me you know we do know that's why we make the show. (laughs) Anyway, I have a recommendation request. I'm a 30 year old woman who just got diagnosed with ADHD. This is honestly a relief for me because I always thought something was wrong with me my whole life and that it was all in my head. Well, technically it is all in my head, but I'm not imagining anything. (laughs) My brain truly works differently. Not bad, just different. Knowing this has brought me a lot of peace and a path forwards towards living a life that works best for me. Okay. So my request is for a book with a female protagonist or character who has ADHD. I would prefer an adult book, but I'm also open to YA as I read a lot of YA books and books outside of my. Wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is magic and witches in the modern world, wow, witches in politics, vampires, all caps, progressive vampires, satirical horror, dark <laughs> academia with a cultural Listen, twist. I'll take regular vampires, but I prefer if they're progressive. That's
1: a very funny, specific wheelhouse. Love
0: it. Female anti heroes, multiple points of view, multiple time periods, horror in Victorian times, gritty graphic novels, books with tarot, and books with knitting. Bria, what should Jessica read?
1: So this was hard. I read a lot of blogs, a lot of posts about this. There are a lot of characters who display ADHD um, um, characteristics, but aren't necessarily diagnosed in the book. Yes,
0: that's a big thing. And that was where I
1: kind of kept falling uh, uh, off on it. But apparently, Julie, from Julie and Julia, the book Julie and Julia, Mm -hmm. which was made into a movie, does have ADHD. And I've never read this book but it's well known enough that I know it must be a pretty good book. Yeah. And it's interesting because it is about this character completing a task, right? The whole thing is that this modern woman, Julie, tries to make everything from the Julie Child's Cookbook, I believe is what it is. Yeah. And it's also about her life. And I think maybe this is the reason ADHD is touched upon is that she has to, I don't know. I'm not really sure. But um, I have to throw it out there. I think I'm going to throw this out there to the Glasser community. Someone's going to have the perfect book where they're like, this person has ADHD and maybe they're not diagnosed because I, I kind of went back through like books where I was like maybe this person but it's weird to to throw that diagnosis on as someone who didn't write the book and also not a doctor yeah. um, so I don't know do you have a suggestion? I was surprised for, that you didn't pick
0: well it's tough because my suggestion is is so perfect but it doesn't it's a male protagonist and not a female protagonist. I, oh. but it, it's so perfect for what Jessica wants that uh, I, I had to put it in. But I would also throw out that a big glass of favorite, favorite red, white, and royal blue by Casey McQuiston. But it's a male male protagonist. protagonist. Yeah, but yeah, he is diagnosed with ADHD.
1: And um, look, there are no vampires or progressive vampires in it. But it is a great book, and I think you'd really enjoy it. Um, uh, it does, man. I don't it falls into any. Of your categories of your wheelhouse, but yeah, I know I read that that was one, and I do like that book, but it I it wasn't a male protagonist, yeah. So, but I mean, definitely worth checking out if you if um Jessica wants to check it out. What do you have?
0: So again, I found a a. Especially considering that vampires is in Jessica's wheelhouse in all caps, I had to put this in there, even though it's a male protagonist. It's Heart of Stone by Johannes T. Evans. And it's a vampire romance where the vampire has ADHD and he starts falling in love with his very fastidious desk clerk. Uh, it takes place in the mid 1700s. So That's it's so cute. It's ticking off a bunch of different wheelhouses. It's horror in Victorian times. Vampires, progressive vampires, multiple points. of Like, it's it's just hitting a bunch of things. And I read a bunch of reviews from people who have ADHD who love this book and feel like it really is, is reflective of, of a lot of things. So, again, not a female protagonist, but it's a vampire. It's a vampire in all caps. So I think uh, Jessica will really like this. Uh, so Great. that's love Heart that. of Stone by Johans T. Evans.
1: And I'm going to say... Maybe you should do Red Wine Royal Blue. That, that is a that is a good one. Red Wine Royal Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. And uh try Julie and Julia. and let us know how you feel about it. It's by Julie Powell, the book.
0: Easy to remember. <laughs> <laughs> to remember
1: well it's not isn't it it's and the original book is uh it's nonfiction, isn't it
0: the original yeah book? it's a julie julie it's like i can't remember the name of the cookbook but it's fr, uh, the art of french cooking i think the art uh, of french
1: cooking that's right 365 days 424 recipes one tiny apartment kitchen it does seem like something i would have read and i did i didn't ever read it but it seems let us know and also glassers are gonna have some so glassers hit us up with your adhd character books
0: uh yeah, I was gonna say, please, glassers. glasses. Uh, we'll we'll do some follow-up. If people write in with um with good books that fit this uh this request in this wheelhouse, we'll do a we'll do a listener feedback follow-up uh for, for Jessica. So you can always write in with your recommendation request to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. And as always, we wanna thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. If you want to look cool, maybe you earlier in the episode you're like, I wanna look bookish. I wanna be one of those people that people walk up to and go, wow you look like you read books, you can do so by going to our Void March store. You can get a bookish tote. You can get a bookish shirt. You can get a bookish sweatshirt, a sticker, a mug to drink out of, although maybe you don't want to walk around with that in public. There's all kinds of ways to show your bookishness and help us pay our bills, feed our cats, and support the artist who designed them. Check out the show notes for the link to our store. And if you like the show, uh, you can rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. It's really beneficial to us. Folks, I know that we ask this every episode, but it really means a huge deal to us, makes a huge difference, and will only take you 30 seconds in the mobile app. Uh, You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading.